Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back to the 145th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Our guest today, Ed Garrity, has been an inspirational speaker to tweens and teens for 28 years. He is an author and podcast host of Parents Navigating the Teen Years. At 20 years of age, Ed established his own business dedicated to helping others develop as leaders and to reach out and make a difference. Since that time, Ed has shared his powerful message in all 50 states, Canada and Europe. And his greatest credential is that he's a father to two high school students. This is such a great conversation. We talk about the difference between motivating and inspiring your teen and how to empower your teen to be resilient, even in the challenging times. So welcome, Ed Garrity. Hi, Colleen. <laughs> I, we're going to have a fun conversation. I know that today. And I always like to start my podcast with asking my guests if they have kids. So do you have kids, Ed? Uh, I do. Uh, my wife and I, we have two kids. We have a 17-year-old who is a junior in high school right now. His name is Ryan, and we have a daughter, Shannon. She's a freshman in high school, and she is 14, quickly going on 18. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Um, yes, that can happen. So we are Uh, definitely navigating the teen years, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, all my moms listening are moms of teens, so they are going to be loving this episode. So you have talked and had a business to teens for the past 28 years. Is that correct? Yeah. For the past 28 years, I've been in my own business working with middle school students, high school students, and college students, talking with them about being resilient, setting and achieving goals, making good choices, stepping up as a leader, and and reaching out and making a difference. And I do that through inspirational programs and through leadership trainings. So let's just start with your story. Like, why did you get interested in that? Sure. So when I was in high school, I was involved with a lot of student leadership organizations and played some different sports, played football and baseball. And I had a lot of great inspirational coaches who not just taught us about sport, but about life and leadership and had some really influential teachers as well. Specifically, my English teacher, Mr. Gotzel, really taught me the love of language and reading. And my dad was in uh, life insurance. And so all around the house, we had these inspirational books uh, and leadership tapes from the classics, from Napoleon Hill to W. Clement Stone to uh, Zig Ziglar, Dennis Waitley, Tony Robbins, Jack Canfield, all these amazing authors and speakers that I would love to read and listen to. And that had a big impact on my life. And so When I went into my first year of college, I was a communications major trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure if I was going to get into teaching or coaching. And I realized from all the conferences that I went to when I was in high school and and listening to a lot of different inspirational speakers, I thought, wow, you know what? This is something that I would like to do. And so my junior year in college, I started volunteering. 
uh, speaking at schools around my university. I went to the University of New Hampshire. And uh, by the time I graduated with my degree in communications, I knew that this was what I wanted to do. And so I started my own business right out of college. That's awesome. I love it. So you are a parent to teens, and this is your business. And you have gone through COVID with your teens. And (laughs) (laughs) so how can you empower your teen to be resilient during these challenging times? Such a big question and such an important question, uh, Colleen. I, I think it starts with not only reminding them, but also reminding ourselves as we go through this journey together to remind them of what they can control and then also what they can't control. Because I think a lot of the overwhelm and a lot of the stress, not just during a pandemic, but just the overwhelm and stress of just in the teen years is sometimes feeling like they don't know what they can control and what they can't. For example, my, my daughter, Shannon, she's really into theater. And when those whole pandemic happened and everything got shut down, naturally all the theater and the plays, everything was shut down. And our daughter, Shannon, she was devastated from that. And so we had several conversations about, okay, well, you know, we can't control when theater is going to open back up or when they're going to start having plays again. And we were actually even talking about goals. And she's like, well, my goal doesn't exist anymore because Broadway's closed. And what we talked about was, yeah, Broadway might be closed. You know, the theater at school might be closed, but uh, your opportunity to take dance lessons, your opportunity online, your opportunity to take voice lessons online, and your opportunity to watch some videos on different actors and, and their journey to where they got to where they are. Those are all things that you can control so that when Broadway does open up, when the theater opens up, you've prepared yourself, you know, the best you can to walk onto that stage and be ready to go. Oh, I absolutely think that's true. And that's really powerful. And I think how that teenage brain is wired is to just say, so black and white, like it's over, like my whole life is over. And it's so important that you do tell your kids, like, what can you control? What can you not control? I think that is a great question for every mom listening out there. Like take advantage of that. That is so awesome. And it's a consistent conversation too. You know, yeah. uh, I can think of also a time where we talk about resiliency with our teens. We all want our teens to be resilient. We want to be able to persevere and to overcome obstacles and struggles. One of the ways that I think that we can develop, help them develop that resilience, because it's not a one-time thing. It's a muscle. You have to keep working on it and working on it. You build upon it. For example, like our son, Ryan plays uh, lacrosse and a little over two years ago, he broke his ankle playing lacrosse. Huge upset for for Ryan, big upset for our whole family. Everybody was upset. So one of the things we realized was how do we teach that resiliency to him was to not just celebrate when he was back 100%, but to really acknowledge and celebrate the small victories along the way and to really acknowledge the progress that you're making. I think sometimes I know that I've made a mistake as a parent where I forget to acknowledge the small wins along the way. Wow, look how far you've come instead of waiting till the final exam to say, wow, you did a great job, or I missed all those opportunities along the way to show, wow, look at the little progress that you're making. Look at those those mini wins that you're making along the way. 
to really acknowledge them that that gives them that resiliency, that confidence. I completely agree. I had one guest talk about like college admissions work. And she said, one of the big challenges today is that there's such a emphasis on data points. It's like, are you making your A's? That's not a little win. And so I just think what you're saying is so true is like the little tiny wins, the little places that you can encourage them instead of like, where's your big, you know, 98 in chemistry. Yeah, really catching them and saying, it's not just saying, okay, let's let's do really well on that chemistry exam. It's more of, of saying like, wow, hey, like for our daughter, Shannon, I'd be like, Shannon, wow, your chemistry exam is coming up this Friday. And you know what? I noticed that every night you've taken a little bit of time every night to, to review your chemistry homework. And, you know, great job. And reinforce them, you know, we're not, that's one of the things that we've tried to really share with our teens is that, and with our, our, our daughter, Shannon, she, you know, like a lot of teenage girls, she's very high expectations on herself and she wants yes. to do, she's very driven and she, she really wants to do things right. And what we really try to reinforce with her is that it's not just about the grade. It's not about you being first or being number one or getting the A. We really want you to really just really put forth your best effort. And if you put forth your best effort, that's what we're going to be happy with. And yeah. I think that's really important to keep teaching that and reinforcing that. That it's not about the grade. It's not about how many goals. It's not about the lead role. It's about who they become and what they experience on the way towards that goal, putting forth their best effort, doing their own honest work. Yeah, I think that's really important. I'm a therapist, so I get to see kind of what's behind closed doors. Uh-huh. And I have a lot of compassion for parents because I am a parent and have gone through it. But I think one of the mistakes that parents can make is that you're so frustrated with your kid because you think they're not studying hard enough. They're not doing their work. You walk in the room and the laptop's open and you're like, who are you talking to? And so I think it takes a lot of discipline to say, wow, I've seen that you've really been working hard every night. Because I think sometimes parents were looking for what they're not doing. I think that's a great point, Colleen. And it's also easy, too, because we can get triggered. Yes. We can get triggered right away. We walk into the room and we see them on their phone and they might have been doing their homework for the last 25 minutes. And yet we walk into the room and they're on their phone and, and instantly react. Yeah. And I, and I think that is I think it's one of the biggest challenges as a parent. And I've made that mistake so many times is I make a judgment about something that they're doing without realizing the full picture. And stepping back and say, hey, what's going on here? Or, hey, wh- who are you on the phone with? Instead of saying, what are you doing on the phone? Saying, who are you on the phone with? I'm talking to my friend, Sarah. She's helping with the homework assignment. Instead of going right after her and saying, what are you doing on that phone? Hang up right now. Yeah. Uh, and that's, yes. that's the delicate dance. And, and I think that's the thing, too, is that when you do overreact, you make that judgment. You be vulnerable and you let them know, hey, you know what? I made a mistake there. I overreacted. And, uh, mm-hmm. and next time I'm going to do that differently. Yeah. So you acknowledge your mistake. And then in that way, you're also teaching them an important lesson that nobody's perfect. Yeah. That's such a great point that we are modeling to our kids, like how to be good humans. So we don't have to be perfect. I've had those moments. I had those moments <laughs> with my daughter for sure. I think what's helpful to my moms is I, I just kind of talk about my internal experience because it's universal. So like in a situation like that, where my daughter would go off, it's very predictable, these patterns, you know, if you go in and just go, what are you doing? It's a very predictable response. That's why my book is called Down, Down the Drama. <laughs> so 
and what it feels like inside is like every part of me goes, she's so wrong. You know, it's like, sure. it's like she is so wrong. And yet it feels like, I don't know, like pushing a thousand pounds by my bare hands to think of, okay, but what's my part? How did I contribute to this? Even if it's like a 0.05%, I think it's 99.5% their fault. And it's just a little tiny, tiny piece of me. I will go in and I'll go to my daughter and I'll say, I want to apologize because that was wrong. And I would say almost every time I did that, which was so hard for me to do as a parent, like she would soften right away and she would go, mom, I'm sorry because of this. Yeah. So I think sometimes these even mistakes that we make as parents can be the best teaching times with them. I agree. I think when you open up your heart like that and you show that you're vulnerable and you say, hey, look, you know, I don't have this all figured out. I don't have this all. I don't know the answer to this, but I'm here to support you. I love you and I care about you. Mom and I, or I, you know that I want the best for you. I think that goes a long way. I think by really sharing that and expressing it, not just verbally, because I think it's important to remember that just like adult teens, they all connect at, at a different way. Like I know our daughter is much more receptive to reading like written words than say our, our son, our son, I could speak to my son and say, you did a great job. And then being really specific about why did he do a great job in that particular thing? I think we have a tendency sometimes as, as parents to just say, Hey, I'm really proud of you. Great job. Well, why are you proud of me? Or, mm -hmm. you know, I just think you're an extraordinary person. I think you're really special. Okay, well, what makes me special? Well, because I like how you say please and thank you. I like how you go out of your way to, to bring your friends little gifts. I like how you take the time to say, excuse me. I, I really think it's important to articulate why you're proud of them, and why you're happy for them, because otherwise it just becomes a big blanket statement. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think what we're giving them is the gift of being seen. Like they don't feel seen a lot of times, especially when we're coming in after the data points, they don't feel seen, they don't feel cared for, but it's like, wow, you're paying attention. You know, I think that's why they get angry is they don't feel seen. Like the situation you were talking about of walking in, you see them on their phone and you're assuming that they haven't studied for the hour. I think that's a huge need for not just teens. I just think even in human beings as general. But I know that one of the saddest things that I ever hear when I go into a school, when I'm talking with students after a program is if a student comes out to me and says, you know what, you know, Mr. Garrity, you talked about making everybody feel a part of the school or for, feel a part of the community. You know what? And I don't feel a part of that school. I don't feel a part of the community. I feel like I'm invisible. I feel like nobody sees me. And I think that's a common theme among teenagers, especially now when we went on to online learning and we had all these things where we're so restricted to being able to see our friends and that, and that social dynamic where where all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I feel like I'm invisible. I feel like nobody sees me. And I think that one of the biggest foundations we can, we can give our, our teenage daughters, our kids is that idea of like, I see you, you matter. And I got your back. Yes. And that when we let them know that, that I got your back, no matter what, that I see you and I'm here for you, that becomes a foundation of, of safety that of something that, you know what, I might be not be able to control a lot of things, but at the end of the day, I know that mom's going to be there. I know that my know that dad's going to be there. There's going to be that consistency that they're there. And we can provide that for them. And yeah. that's huge. And then being able to build that resiliency and that self-confidence. Yes, yes. Okay, this is really good. So I think often parents think they do have their back 
but it's not in the way that teens want them to have their back. Like, for example, you know, last week was counseling a family where they're doing everything they can to get her into the right school. But they are giving so much pressure to this kid and she's just shutting down. But they think that they have her back. So talk to the moms about what you mean, because I know what you mean. But when you say that you have their back. When I say I have your back, it means that you're there unconditionally. You're there unconditionally for love and support. You're also there to, to, to guide them and support them. And also, and which is probably, I think, the hardest thing to do as a parent, is you have to allow them to fail and to make mistakes and to kind of explore and kind of find their own way. We're going through that right now with our son who's in that college search right now. It is a, it's a delicate dance of like, well, I think this would be the best school for you, or I think this would be the best location geographically for you to be at, or this is the major that you could go into. You really have to hold yourself back on that because they have enough pressure already. Everybody around them, we all know that. Every time we go to a holiday event or a birthday party right around 16, 17, 18, it's where are you going to college? What are you going to do for the future? What are you, what, what are you going to do for a job? And it's, it's so overwhelming. We start to dictate towards that. We project our goals onto them. Yes. I went to this college, so now I think you should go to this college. And it's, I, it's one of the things that I talk with students about, and it's one of the things that I talk with my son about. And, uh, and I've also even talked with our daughter, Shannon, about, even though she's just a freshman in high school, the idea of this is your journey. What do you want? And I think one of the ways you do that, Colleen, is you have to pay attention. You have to pay attention to what are they listening to? What are they watching? And like, are you taking the time to go into their bedroom? I'm not saying go through all their stuff. I'm just saying sit on their bed and look around their room. And what images are they surrounding themselves with? What are their pictures? What are the words that they have? What are the images that they have? And you'll start to see what some of their goals and their dreams are just by what's around their environment and what they're listening to and watching. And then you feed that fire of what they're interested into. The biggest mistake I think a parent can ever make is to somehow project your goal, your dream onto them. Uh, and I share yes. that with teens. The biggest mistake they can ever make is to live someone else's goal, is to live someone else's dream. Yeah. And, then, and I made the mistake of wanting to project like our daughter or our son to go one way and then had to pull back because I realized that, you know what? They don't have to have it all figured out. They don't have to have it all planned out. And as parents, we want it to be wrapped up in a bow. We want it to be put all in a little box and be like, okay, everything's all set now. Now they're off to college, they're off to their jobs, and it's over. You know, I had one a friend of mine, a parent showed me, you know, our job as a parent really doesn't really even start when they, until like they're 16, 17 is when the real work gets, gets, <laughs> gets to play. And sometimes parents think that what they hit 16, 17, 18, our job's over. It's really, I think our job has just begun. Oh, you are preaching to the choir. <laughs> I have a book that's going to be released in May. That's going awesome. to, it's called Dial Up the Dream, Make Your Daughter's journey to adulthood, the best for both of you. So it's all about that transition from 17 to 25, which wow. is everything that you're saying. And so it is. So dial up the dream is tricky because it's whose dream are you dialing up? In that book, I just dive into all the questions and the ambiguity and all the cultural myths. And I had fun with it. I completely agree. 
I sometimes it's easy too when we think if we ask our daughter, we ask our son or our teen, like, you know, where do you want to go and what do you want to, what do you want to do? And that's, you know, that's a question that's an easy question we, that we can ask our teen. And oftentimes we'll get the answer right back of either maybe just a, huh, or I don't know. I don't yeah. know. And yeah. so, and, it, and I think that sometimes I'll have teens ask me, they'll say, well, Ed, well, what, what if you don't know where you want to go or what you want to do? Or a parent will ask me, Ed, what if your teen doesn't know where they want to go, what they want to do? That's okay. They don't have to have it all figured out, all planned out. But I think the next question then you can ask them is this. And I think it's a pattern that we make a mistake to fall into that we think the next question is, what are you passionate about? And I don't think it's passion first. I don't. I think it's actually curiosity first. I agree. I think it, and so that's what we encourage our, our teens to do is we encourage them to be curious, to yes. really step outside of their comfort zone. Right, Colleen, you and I have talked yes. about this, you know, to take those positive risks, to try new things, that, that their great responsibility, I think, especially in their teenage years, is to do that, is to take those positive risks, to try new things, to, to make those mistakes. We have this tendency to almost play it safe to not fail. That's that metaphor of like putting plastic, uh, the rubber underneath the playground. So the kids don't scratch their knees like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but to really like encourage them and it's okay. It's, it's not through the victories that we learn our greatest lessons. It's actually through our mistakes and that it's through our breakdowns that we find our breakthroughs. Yes. Yes. So you can't have resiliency unless you make mistakes, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's not, and I think that's thing, I think that's important too, is that it's not a one-time thing. It's, it's something that you continue to, to work at it and it continues to evolve. And it's not a one, two, three, you're resilient. It's a zigzag. It's backwards. It's upwards. It's all around. I think it's also important too, to, there's so many opportunities to share examples of people being resilient. Whether it's a, if, if your son or your daughter is into sports or, or into music or into art, you can find examples of inspiration in any genre. Uh, yes. say, Look how this person persevered. Look what they went through to achieve what they achieved. And sometimes you don't even have to even talk about it. You could find the article and just put it on their bed. You could find the video and just send them the link and, yes. and just kind of keep putting it out there and putting it out there. Yeah. So you're on this track. So I'm just going to feed the fire here. Um, And that is the subject of how do you motivate your teen? I think sometimes a mistake parents make is, again, the pressure. Like you need to do your homework. You need to get your work done. Do you want, and it's a lot of negative predictions. Do you want to just like not go to college? Do you just not want to be successful in life? Do you just want to be a failure? Since you're an inspirational speaker and motivational speaker, (laughs) <laughs> so, so what do you find that works with your son or daughter? I think it's important to, to really make the distinction between motivation and inspiration. Great. And I, I think that when you're talking about motivating your teen, I don't think you can motivate your teen. I mean, you can motivate your teen and say, go upstairs and clean your bedroom. You're going to be grounded for two weeks. Okay. I guess that's kind of motivation because they (laughs) won't be grounded for two weeks. But when we talk about motivation has to come from within, they have to really be the one that wants to go and and take those singing lessons. They're the one that that has to want to go and take those extra practices to, to go get the, to get the tutoring. That's the motivation that comes from within. I think what we can do as parents is as two things. One is, we, we lead by example in terms of we live an inspired life and we mm-hmm. speak positive. We honor our words and our language. 
to make that distinction between motivation and inspiration, motivation has to come from within. We can inspire our team. Well, how can we inspire our team? We can inspire our team by, by the language that we use by speaking to them. I really like how you spoke to your brother today and really appreciate how you were kind to him. I really liked how you really worked hard to try out for that team. And I watched your practice today. You gave your all. I love the effort that you gave at the game today. I know you just missed that goal, but it was a great shot. There's a lot of that positive reinforcement. That's how you inspire them. I don't think you motivate them. I think you inspire them. I think another way you can teach them to inspire them is to also teach them and share with them the importance of who they surround themselves with. It plays a huge role in them staying inspired in terms of the company that they keep. It was a big lesson my parents taught me, uh, especially when my dad was always like, be careful who you hang out with, Ed. You know, is that famous quote, there's two things that will separate you from others, the books that you read and the company that you keep. Really reminding your daughter, reminding your son, like, you know, the company that you keep plays a huge role in the choices and the decisions that you make. It plays a huge role in you being able to, to stay inspired and to, to have that motivation within of having friends that say, you know, you can do this and yeah. I believe in you. Yeah. Uh, and also your environment too, Colleen. I think the environment of like what you surround yourself with, you know, we get a lot of our friends and our neighbors will come to our house and sometimes laugh because they'll say your house looks like a walk-in fortune cookie because we have a lot of <laughs> inspirational quotes and, and pictures around the house and a lot of photographs. I think that plays a huge role in, in an inspired environment. You can control yeah. whether or not you have a candle lit in the kitchen or is there music playing in the background. All those little things, I think, play a huge factor in keeping them inspired and motivated. Yeah, I completely agree. Because you're making a teen-friendly house. And the environment of the house is really, really important. Is it tense? Is it stressed? Is it feel relaxed? Is it fun? Is it playful? Yeah, I just wrote a podcast on what's your face saying? I love it. Yes. <laughs> yes, I saw that, Colleen. It was great. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do we smile at our teens? You know, are we frowning at them? You know, all of that. It's part of the environment. Absolutely. It plays a huge role. And they're watching and they're listening all the time. And I, one of the big questions I sometimes get from, from uh, parents is, you know, how do I teach my son or my daughter to have that self-respect or that respect for themselves and that respect for others? And, and what I remind them is what they already know. And that is that we, we, we lead by example. It's not what we say, it's what we do. And when we're in the front seat and, and we're texting and driving, or we're in the front seat and we're going 80 on the 55, our, our teens are watching that. Yeah. And uh, it just happened the other week. I mean, I'm not proud of it, but I told my son to slow down. He was driving and he was like, I'm like, Ryan, you're going way too fast. And he's like, what do you mean, dad? That's the speed you go at all the time on the highway. <laughs> and I had to actually just had to be like, yeah, you know what? Actually, you're right. I actually go to that speed sometimes. And you know, and you're right. And I shouldn't. I'm going to do better now next time. But now you need to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I have a question for you around dads and daughters. What I've seen is sometimes when daughters become teens, dads are a little bit lost about how to connect to their teens, their daughters. Every daughter is different, just like every teen is different. If I can be firm with, with our son, Ryan, and be like, hey, that does not work here. We don't do that here. Or this is not what the Garrity's do. So you, you need to understand that. Are you clear on that? Like, this, this is the expectation here. 
if I'm not, if I use that type, quote, quote, unquote, tone of voice, that tonality, or if I use that languaging with, with Shannon and I'll be like, excuse me, young lady, but we do not go. It actually goes the complete opposite where she'll actually shut down and she'll go quiet. She might, and even when she was younger, like 12, 13, that's when I noticed that she would start to cry or that she would, she would get withdrawn. And I'd be like, Oh, so then I realized that, you know, that can't be my approach with her. Mm-hmm. I actually, I can still be firm with her, but I have to be in a, I have to be a lot more gentle and the languaging around it bore a more of like of, of open-ended questions. Uh, not to say I don't do that with our son, but I, I'm a lot more sensitive to, uh, to the languaging that I use around Shannon and not being so forceful and as strong as I would use it with our, with our son. I also realized too, our daughter interacting with our daughter is she's so much more social and has such a big, more social life in terms of all these friends and all these peer groups. And I want to get together with our friends on Thursday and our friends on Friday. And then she can pull the card of, I haven't seen my friends for over a year and a half, dad. So now is the time to make up for it. You know, something that I know our son, our our son, our son doesn't have that uh, strategic thinking right now so much as our daughter. Um, And with that said, I think with that said too, is that I think that, I find that our daughter, she pushes the limit more of like, she'd, she'd go out Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night with her friends right after school and still do her homework and do all her things. But she just has that social drive to really keep going out. And yet at the same time, she needs those boundaries to be able to say, hey, I'm going to get to go out with my friends on Thursday night after school. Uh, no, you're not. You're actually, you're going out with your friends on Friday and Saturday. So you're not going to go on Thursday. And usually they need that boundary. They need to have those boundaries and they might sometimes be a little bit resistant to it, but I think that also keeps them from being overwhelmed and stressed instead of just saying, Oh, it's okay. But I also think too, Colleen, and you know, this is that, is that fine line between being, especially with the daughter, because you know, you know, your daughter as a dad, your daughter's the the greatest thing in the whole world. And and you want to be like, you want to be like, their best friend and you want to be everything to them. And you realize that, yeah, I can be their friend, but I also have to be their parent. There's that fine line. You want to still have fun with them and you still want to be their friend. But at, at the end of the day, you're still their parent where you could, where you're there to guide them and keep them safe and, and yeah. hopefully teach them some, some valuable life lessons. Yeah. I, I really agree with that. And I, I oft, often see that parents can get polarized like mom can be the heavy and dad is like the fun guy. So I think it's right. I think both parents have to have a little Disney mom or Disney dad and, you know, and be a parent. Cause if not, it, it's just not fair to the other parent. I think a parent's relationship is multifaceted. And so if it gets too polarized, it's just not good for the kids. It's I hang out in the room with you and I say, no, just exactly what you said. I think that's a great point. And also we've actually made that mistake too, where all of a sudden it's like, if our daughter comes in the room and says, Hey, can I go to, can I go over to so-and-so's or can I go do this? It's uh, go ask your mom. And it can become a very easy, <laughs> uh, easy, like the harder question, well, go ask your mom or then, or my wife would be like, well, go ask your dad. And, and that can become a, that can become a, a slippery slope where, 
all of a sudden it's like then the your child knows where like, where to go to what question they want to ask of <laughs> who's going to give the better answer I, which which leads to the point of like i think it's in like i'll give an example like uh, a parent shared me how their son had, had gotten trouble at school and the teacher wrote a note has well not wrote a note but sent an email to the parents and said i'm a little concerned about his behavior in the classroom and would like you to talk to him about his behavior in the classroom and i said to, so i I asked him, my, my friend, I said, so what did you do? He says, well, the first thing I did is I, my wife, she called me and said, did you get the email? And she, and I said, yeah. She goes, well, let's meet after work before we go home and talk about how we're going to talk to him about this, which I just thought was great. So they got together so that they were on the same page. Yes. And I think that's really important that when you're dealing with different issues that your teens are going to face, take the time before you go to sit down and have the conversation with them to make sure that you're both on the same page of how you're going to approach it, you know, and what will be the discipline? What will be the consequences or what are the points you really want to make sure we reinforce on that? And who's going to be the good cop, good cop, bad cop, if you're going to go yeah. that route. Yeah. I think so much of parenting is more reactive. And so what we're talking about is how to be more strategic. So if you're talking to your spouse, you can be more strategic and say, you're a good cop today, and I'll be the bad cop and we can switch tomorrow. So it's just not rigid roles. Absolutely. And if it is rigid, then the kids know it and they sense that. And it becomes very black and white. And if there's anything that's that's not black and white, it's raising teens. It's, <laughs> it's all over. Yes. I could talk to you forever, but we do have to wind this thing down. So do you have any last advice for our moms who are listening? I think the biggest advice is to continue to have a listening for them, no matter what it is that they're going through, a listening for them for not just who they are today, but also a listening for their greatness of who they're going to become tomorrow. And, and to be not only gentle with them, but also to be gentle with yourself, that you're doing the best that you can. And, uh, and at the end of the day, when they know that you love them and you care about them and that, that you really do have their back in the best way that you can, that they know that. And I think you have to trust in that and know at the end, at the end of the day, they're going to come out of this okay. So thank you, Ed, so much for your time. And how can the moms contact you? Uh, thanks, Colleen. Yeah, you can reach me uh, through my website, which is edgarity.com. All right. Well, thank you again. Thank you, Colleen. Wishing you the very best and keep making a difference out there. You too. Thanks. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere, you can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>